Man, sucks, dude. The year I do, the one year I don't go is the best year, dude. Um, but I was I was super blessed to hear it. Um, like I said, for the next month, I'm asking um, our students to share one or two short testimonies a week um, because I want us to get an impartation of faith from it. Okay. Now, the way impartations work is you have to be just as eager to receive it as they are to give it. That's how you get it. Does that make sense? And so I want to um, invite us as we hear from Steph in just a minute, I want to ask that we would come and say, God, give me a heart for the nation. This is not easy for us to, to have this type of mentality. Um, but the reason why we do this is because nations are the things that Jesus desires, right? The Great Commission is to make disciples of the nations. He desires the nations. That's why we want an impartation of his heart for the nations. Amen? Amen. All right, Steph's going to come and share. Hi, guys. Hi. Uh, all right, stick out your hands. Can you just pray for me? Put another hand on your heart because you need to hear it too. All right, Jesus, we need you in this room. We thank you that you're in this room. Father, we just ask whatever message you have for us, we ask your revelation and your truth would break everything that hinders love in our heart. We ask, God, your revelation and your truth will set us free that we may dream again and believe again in all that you're doing. And I just pray for the grace to understand and the wisdom to discern and the love to keep us going. We pray this in Jesus' name. <sighs> Sorry, that was not okay. Um, my name is Steph Fanny. I want to content this past Literally, I just got back last night. Um, this is my third time at Content. Uh, and the reason I say that is because for many of the people that came to Content, this was their first year. And for them, it was like a launching pad, right? It was a signing up. It was a, a vision cast and just getting the bigger picture. And it's a very exciting thing. Uh, but for me, it's a heart check. It's a confrontation of everything that has happened. Uh, because the thing is, when you go to these gatherings, the vision doesn't change, the dream doesn't change, the belief to see revival, to see the youth of America, to see all of these things, it doesn't change. But I go and I see, man, like areas of my heart that is dying, <laughs> like areas of my heart that is losing vision, of ways that I've been disappointed or ways that uh, I see how difficult it is. And for me, if you guys don't know, I just graduated from Kyopoli Pomona. <laughs> Uh, and we, we had a house of prayer, and all of my years in Cal Poly Pomona, um, there was just a desire to build a house on our campus and see Jesus uh, make known and worship on our campus, and it all started because of uh, people like at Content that would cast these visions for us, and we said yes to it. Uh, so for this year, for me, when I went, um, I just wanted God to remind me again, because in post-grad life, I don't get the privilege of going to that schedule, right? Going to that schedule of praying and seeing the people in my face. But I'm in my room all the time, kind of looking for a job, kind of not, and just kind of stay Christian, like all of that. Um, but one thing, as I'm just preparing, that I really feel like God wants to release to us in this room is about pain, is about disappointment. So for me, at Content, um, you know, earlier I shared I wanted to be reminded of the vision and everything. Uh, one of the biggest things for me was 
After I graduated from college, I realized how I was just limping. Like, I was just so tired. Not like tired of the dream tired, but like I would do it 10,000 times again, but I can't. Like my heart is cold or like I've forgotten things or like I've wandered off or like, you know, disappointments in the process of pursuing Jesus and giving him all for this generation. The promises that weren't fulfilled, in my immaturity, I didn't know how to balance that, right? I didn't know how to run to Jesus, give him my life as a college student, but at the same time, and process and deal with what was going on in my life. I didn't know how to do that. So post-grad, I just crashed. I just like, man, Jesus, I want to, but I don't know how. How is it possible to burn past college? Like, but if I can, I don't want college to be the most burning years of my life, you know? I want it to just be the beginning, but how do I keep going? Um, so one of the biggest things that, that struck me at Content was um, one of the leaders, he, he did the altar call, right? The same altar call I heard senior year of high school that I said yes to, that I said my name to. Um, but I didn't go to the front. I just put a hand on my heart and just thought of all the ways that, that it was costly to say yes. I just remember all the, the heartaches but more than how difficult it was, it was to be confronted by how weak I am. I realized how I cannot do this, God. Like, I can't. I just can't. Like, I, I, I've tried and tried and tried. And at the end, when I look back, I see all these areas of, of what I've committed to failing. Um, and I was just really hurting a lot because I wanted to say yes. But at that moment, God just told me, Steph, everything you couldn't do and every disappointment and every pain, what if that's part of the cost of saying yes? Would you still say yes? He said, Steph, right now you're only climbing one little hill of your life in this commitment to give your life to Jesus. And yes, you climbed the hill and now you're limping because you ran hard as you can. What if... Now that you say yes again, I will not promise you you are not going to limp again after the next year. But will you still say yes? I just began to weep. I weep because it's hard. Because it's not just a, a story of Luango. It's not just a story of, you know, these people. But it's a story of my past four years in Cal Poly. So I know what it is like. Um, but, what, but what God did, it was a miracle. You know, what, you know when you don't have faith and then suddenly you have faith, you know it's not you but it's Jesus? It's like that. Okay. So at that moment... Every memory I had, like, specifically one of the biggest, like, disappointment in my heart was I was serving in Epic at that time. All these years in college, I was serving in Epic. You know, at the whole time, I'm praying for our generation. I'm praying for the youth of America, and I have these souls right in front of me in Epic. Small group grows right in front of me in Epic. No matter how hard I try, I couldn't give them the dream that I've heard of. I, I couldn't cast them the vision that I know of. I couldn't communicate to them what I knew, and it hurt my heart. Um, and I just wept. I was just like, Papa, like, how can I do this? And then he, sh he just reminded me that moment. I didn't even need to open my eyes, but that moment, he just said, name all the, all the people that were with me on that trip this year. 
there's only three people that were my age. Everybody else were lower classmen. And most of them, I think, were once in that epic ministry. And he said to me, Steph, you couldn't reach them, but I still reach them. Will you still say, will you still say yes? Like, he just began to breathe life into every disappointment, every pain, and every cost. And at that moment, when I got that small little revelation of that, a gratefulness came out. It's costly, but it's not a sacrifice. It's a privilege. It was a privilege. There's something about how, God, you would take my disappointment. You would take something I so despise that I so used to disqualify myself, and you're going to take that as an offering? Like, that blew my mind. And that made me believe I can say yes again simply because I get to. Does that make sense? And, and the reason why I wanted to share this because I know most of you guys, freshman, sophomore, junior, hello, you guys are all in Epic. Hello, hello, hello. I know some of you guys have said yes to God in your high school years. Christian clubs, pro-life, uh, riots, not riots, pro-life, what is it called? Yeah, that thing, rally. Like, sorry, not riots. No. Riots in the spirit, for God. Okay, um, like things like that. Like you guys left your friends. You guys like prayed for your family. You guys gave up on sex. You guys gave up on drugs. Like there are real things you guys gave up on. But the reality is there were also disappointments because there was an expectation of God's reaching your life, but then it maybe haven't happened yet. And I feel like that disappointment have rooted in your heart and even offended you because it's taking so long or because you're so offended by how easily you forget. All of those things have caused you, perhaps in the next few weeks when people come up and share about content, you're going to be like, nah, I can't. Not that you're hardened, but just deep down in your heart, you don't know if you can. But I hope that this testimony will shatter that and be like, no, like, it's not about that. The cost is there, but it's so worth it. And he's able, he's able to awaken your dreams if you would just trust him again. And, okay, all right. I'm going to pray for you. Uh, can everybody just close your eyes? <clears throat> Papa God, we just thank you so much, Lord. You're not done with this generation, God. Father, we thank you that you're the one that hotly pursue us, God. So we just ask, Lord, that you remember the prayers of our youth, Father, every commitment that we've given you. Father, I ask right now, Lord, even, even memories of disappointment, memories of pain, of the cost, I ask, God, would you speak life into them? Would you show them, show us the value, God. Show us how much you value our sacrifice and how much you're pleased with it. I ask, Father, you would place a seal upon our heart that will stand the test of time, that will stand the test of our zeal, God. But you would deeply pursue us in every way. I bless every single one of us when we ask for your word to continue to set us free. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to jump off that. I have a short message today because I know that we did um, a long time with um, the ministry teams. But brothers and sisters, my heart is, is so burdened for you guys I really believe in your potential. I believe that God is raising you up for such a time as this, but you need vision to be able to see it. We have this one opportunity, this one chance, this one life that's given to us to live our lives for eternal purpose, for eternal meaning, this one chance. But oh, that God would give us true vision that we would be able to see it. What I've been gripped by is this idea right now 
I felt like I saw a vision of the Korean church. Right now, the Korean church is raising up all of these young Korean Americans, and they're being raised up in the church, and that's many of you. And if you're not Korean, that's okay. Half of me is not Korean. But the Korean church is raising up many kids in church. But what I saw was that the wineskin that was the Korean church was filled with holes. And I saw all of these Korean youth being lost. And what I sensed is that God wants to do something in the Korean American community. I've been getting prophetic words um, from several people lately about this. That God is coming to bring healing and restoration to the Korean American church. And he's going to bring a new understanding of what it is that we're doing. And church, this is, this is a big deal. I believe that in this next generation, there's going to be a reformation. God is going to bring a new heart, and he's going to set free people with a worshipful spirit. And I want to use um, an analogy here. I think that for many people, we're raised in the church believing that there's going to be a judgment one day, and that that judgment is essentially going to be pass, not pass. How many of you guys have ever taken a pass, not pass class in college? I took one once. I'll tell you what happened. I got an A on my midterm, praise the Lord. I got an A on my research paper, praise the Lord. And I was like, oh, it's over. It's done, right? All I need to do on this final is not get too low of an F. So you know what I did? I studied for like five minutes. I went in that final, I, I was done in 15 minutes with my final, turned it in, started walking out. I remember everyone as I was walking out, everyone was like, <laughs> guess what? Pass the class. Come on, right? Pass that class. Can I say this? Many of us have been trained to believe that the test of this life is a pass, not pass class. That all you got to do is believe in Jesus and that's it. You're good to go. You can do, as long as you got that one thing down, it's all good. But can I tell you, brothers and sisters, that is really not what the scriptures say. It is not what the scriptures say. The temptation for us, if we believe it's a past, not past class of life, what happens is we're content getting that C. And we're like, yeah, as long as I don't fail. But the problem is, brothers, this is not a past or not past class. This class is graded. This test is graded. And the problem is the church right now has no idea what the consequences and what the glory is in getting a B or an A. We got no idea. And for some of you who heard me tell us about, you, about this in our private meetings, forgive me. I'm going to repeat it. But this is the truth. The scriptures are telling us that this is a graded class. And right now, we have a generation of ground Christians being raised in the church, feeling like, oh, I think I'm getting a C. I'm good to go. And then you see, if you understand a pass, not pass, if that's your mentality, then what happens is you think, dude, I can have my cake and eat it too, right? As long as I follow Jesus, well, it's all good. Then I can, you know, get success in the world. I can get some status. I can have some luxury. I can take it easy. It's all good. I can do all of that. And can I tell you, brothers and sisters, right now, you cannot do that. You cannot do that. What happens is if you aim for a C on the final judgment, I'll tell you what happens. Number one, you are in great danger of failing. That's what happens when you try, when you aim for a C. Sometimes you slip into that D or that F range. 
And in fact, Scripture warns us about this. John 15, Jesus says, Every branch in me that bears no fruit is cut off and thrown into the fire. There's warnings about this all the time. Do not love money. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Paul warns Timothy that the love of money is a root of many kinds of evil. And because of it, many have been pierced with many griefs and have fallen away from the faith. When we're living just to pass the class of life, what happens is many of us fall away. In the parable of the sower, Jesus warns that there are four types of soil. Three of them are Christian. The rocky soil are those who receive the gospel and they're glad and they're happy about it, but they never develop depth in their spiritual life. So when hardship or persecution come their way, bam, they're taken out. They walk away from Jesus. They never knew him in a deep way. But it also warns about the thorny soil. These are those, Jesus says, the cares of this life, the anxieties of life, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word of the kingdom and make it unfruitful. These are those that scripture warns are going to go into eternal life, but they're going to have no rewards and no treasures in the age to come. These are those who get a C on the final judgment They go into life and they realize that they have missed out on so much because they had no vision for what the age to come was really about. I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's going to be on the board. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation because I think it makes the best, is that it's it communicates the idea the best. It says this. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down. That is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Pause. How many of you guys have heard of the mansions in heaven that you're going to have? Newsflash. That's that's a misunderstanding. Sorry. I don't think there's there's a mansion in heaven waiting for you because that's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about an eternal abode that is a body that's been prepared for you. That's what he's talking about. When scripture talks about an eternal dwelling place, he's comparing it to this crummy dwelling place. This one. The one that gets fat. The one that loses his hair. The one that gets old and frail. This dwelling place, this body, we're going to shed one day and it's going to be gone. And we're going to receive from God, if we are in Christ, we are going to receive a new body. A body that is glorified, that is immortal, and that lasts forever. This is an important paradigm to have. When you don't have this paradigm and you just think you're going to heaven when you die, well then you have no vision for what's going to happen after. Like why do I need anything in heaven? You, have, you need a body because you have work to do in the age to come. You need a body in the age to come because you have work to do. I did a seminar for the singles retreat yesterday, and I was telling them, you need to understand this. Your eternal calling is your job in the age to come. It's not your job now. I hate that idea. My calling is to be a doctor. I lovingly tell those people, I know what you mean, okay? But it's not. You're not called to be a doctor or a lawyer or even a pastor. That might be a temporary assignment for you. But you need to understand the calling that you have is in eternity. You've been called with a high calling to be a ruler and to be greatly honored 
in eternity for the life that we're going to have after this life is done. And we have to have vision for that because if we don't, then we don't understand why it's so important to get an A on the test of this life. Verse 2. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. Somebody underline that in your Bible if you got the NLT. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we'll be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever, is, whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. We work hard to persuade others. I mean, let me clarify. I'm not talking about earning salvation. That's impossible. Salvation is given to us as a free gift for faith in Christ. But all the rewards, all the honors, all the treasures of the age to come are by works. By works, church. And if we don't understand that, then what happens is we get to the day of judgment and God looks at us and he says, Why did you waste all the time that I gave you? Why did you waste the resources that I gave you? Why did you waste all of these things? And we'll say, I just really like to play video games, God. And we'll say, I just really liked eating good food. And we'll say, I just really liked the friends that I had. And we'll say, I really liked wasting it all. And I didn't have a vision for how to live my life with eternal purpose. We'll say, I never obeyed your word to consecrate myself. I never took you seriously. I believed in you enough to get eternal life, but not to lay down my life, to deny myself, to take up my cross, and to follow you. I never believed you enough to take your scriptures seriously or to give myself to prayer. I didn't believe like that, God. And church, hear me. This way that we do church, for God's sake, must die. I'm talking about this way. The way where I get up every Sunday, and I yell at you, and you go, oh, what do you think? It's kind of a B that time. I don't know, that, oh, that one was good, right? Pastor Dan was, yeah. Right? I'm talking about this way. The way where I do 80% of the ministry, and you do 80% of the sitting. I'm talking about that way. 
I'm talking about there's going to be a revolution in the church where God's going to restore us to the model that the apostles used themselves in the early church where every joint supplies, where every believer becomes a powerful minister, where every believer is called as a minister of the gospel, where there's not a sense that some of us are supposed to do the ministry and some of us are just supposed to show up and receive the ministry. Hear me, brothers and sisters. No, that way you are wasting your calling. You are wasting your potential. If you never discovered how you're, how you're gifted, if you never discovered your potential in God, if you never see Him move in great ways through your life, you're wasting your potential. And I'm determined that none of you would waste your potential. I am jealous for you, brothers and sisters. I would rather have it be said of me, man, Pastor Dennis... That guy wouldn't just shut up and let me live my life. I had to leave the church. That's fine. But if you're going to show up in this room, then for God's sakes, I'm going to pound your heart with the word of God. Call you to an eternal calling that's worth it. I'm not going to let you waste away and just sit there. I don't want it to be said of anybody who goes through four years of BTM. I never felt like I was really challenged. Never in Jesus' name. No, I call you in the name of Jesus to lay down your lives. Lay it down. Because you can't experience him unless you lay down your lives. That's, how, that's the way this works. People are getting baptized every week all over the world. You are, the power's not in the ritual. The power is in the truth that the ritual represents. If we lay down our lives unto death, he will raise us to new life. Paul says, I long to share in the fellowship of Christ's sufferings so that I can share in his life. Again and again, the death that we make in our following of God becomes life. He's got to put us to death. We've got to be crucified in this life. I'm telling you that I hope that your dream to be a doctor would become garbage to you. Forgive me if I talk to you one reason recently, like, oh, I want to be a doctor. Not talking about you right now. Talking to everyone, all right? I hope that your dream to be a programmer or even a pastor or whatever dies a terrible death. And you go, God, I don't care about having a great job. I care about knowing you. And I care about being alive in your purpose for my life. I care about being a real minister. I care about seeing your kingdom come. I care about living my life with a purpose. This world has no purpose for you. In this world, your only purpose, it sucks, man. I joke around about it all the time. Nice car, nice house, 2.3 kids and a divorce. Congratulations. You've got what this world has to offer you. It sucks. So give up on it now and start putting your foot down and saying, God, I'm consecrating, sanctifying my life for you. I'm saying I'm willing to do whatever it takes to lay down whatever I need to to say yes to you. This is what the author of Hebrews is talking about. In chapter 11, he's pointing out all the heroes of faith. He says the world was not worthy of them. And he says, therefore... Because we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance 
the race that's been marked out for us. Brothers and sisters, that's what I'm calling you to do. And it starts in the place of prayer. You can't skip it. I'm sorry. I know I talk about it all the time. But the problem is, if you don't get this piece, then you can't help but be stolen away by a spirit of religion. You give yourself to religious activity with none of the intimacy that will allow you to actually hear the Holy Spirit and do what he's calling you to do. There's two ways that Christians stumble in this life. Number one, they don't consecrate themselves. If you don't consecrate yourselves, I'll tell you what will happen. You'll be like, man, why is Pastor Dennis so intense? Gosh, he's so intense all the time, right? You have no vision or burden or passion for the kingdom. It's a sign of an unconsecrated heart. You have no passion because you don't encounter the Spirit of God in, your, in the place of intimacy. That's the way to get it. You've got to encounter His heart. And I, I always say this, it's not easy. I'm not saying that you do it, you know, spend four hours every day in the presence and you'll get it. No, 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 I'm talking about a lifetime because you've laid down your life and you have no other priorities above that. What happens to most Christians who are raised in church is they have a couple encounters with God at retreats, but they never give God the idols in their lives. They never crucify them to death. They never stomp on them and bury them six feet under the ground. And because of that, they pick them back up. Sometimes they do a little bit, right? Oh, lay down that idol. Two weeks later, mm, pick that one back up. No, brothers and sisters, you got to crucify it you got to kill that thing. It's getting in the way of your eternal destiny. Can I tell you, this is what Scripture is talking about. Again and again and again, Jesus says the kingdom at that time will be like ten virgins. Five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. The wise ones took oil with them. And when the bridegroom came, they had oil in their lamps and they could see and they followed the bridegroom into the wedding feast. The foolish were those who did not take oil with them. Brothers and sisters, all the virgins are Christians, but the foolish ones are those who never develop intimacy with the Holy Spirit. The oil represents intimacy with the Spirit. You develop intimacy and you have light to discern right and wrong. You can tell good from evil. And you have effective ministry. That's the lamp in prophetic scripture. And the foolish ones come to the wedding feast and they're turned away at the gate. And Jesus says, I never knew you. Brothers and sisters, I tell you that this is the warning for those who grow up in church. You've been warned. Don't have it be said of you on that day. That Jesus comes for you and says, I never knew you. I never had intimacy with you. And on the day of the wedding feast, when all the rewards are being apportioned and given out, oh, that you would not be the one on that day having regret and anger because you missed out on the greatest opportunity of your life. These paltry 70, 80 years that we've been given, this short amount of time when all the alternative that we had was just to have fun to get a nice job. Come on. This is a garbage dream. Paul says these things I once counted as valuable. Now I think that they're trash. They're garbage. They're rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. 
Let's kill off all those dreams. Let's crucify them in the ground. Let's say, I will not value this over my relationship with the Lord. I won't do it. I won't allow it to become first in my heart. I'm determined in my heart that on that day it would be said of me, well done, good and faithful servant. As it said to the wise servants in Matthew chapter 25, that when Jesus went away, he left bags of gold for his servants. And the one who has given five multiplied it and made five more. Jesus returns and says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in these small matters. Now I will put you in charge of many things. Oh, I dream of being in charge of many things. But to the one who was given one bag of gold, he hid it in the ground because he was afraid of God. He said, I knew you were a hard man. And Jesus comes to him and says, you knew I was a hard man, did you? And really what he's saying is, you never knew me. You knew, you heard about my anger, but you never encountered the intimacy of my love. You never fashioned a real relationship with me. You judged me because at one time someone did something to you. One pastor said something you didn't like. One brother or sister in Christ did something you didn't like. And you let bitterness grow in your heart until it cuts you away from the body. You hid your talent in the ground. And Jesus takes away what was given to him and gives it to the one with ten. Brothers and sisters, oh, that it would not be said of us, you worthless servant. But the question is, could it be? This is the part that I think most Christians, they don't understand because they wrestle with this. But isn't God so loving? Isn't he so gracious? Yes, he really is. He is so incredibly gracious and kind. And he is so incredibly severe. And both of those things are true at the same time. We must know him in his severity. It's the fear of the Lord that keeps us walking when we don't want to. When we want to throw in the towel, we say, God, this is too hard. God, this is too boring. God, I don't understand this. The fear of the Lord keeps us walking with him and saying, God, even though I don't understand, the fear of the Lord is what gripped Job. Even when his wife was saying, Job, you tried to follow God, and he, he failed you, Job. He's taken away all his blessings. Just curse God and die. And Job looks at his wife, and he says, you are talking like a fool. I would not dare to accuse God of doing that. He's God. I'm man. Brothers and sisters, we need the fear of God to come into the church again. People complaining about all the smallest little things. Every little thing people are complaining about. How about you complain about your lack of faith? How about you complain about the smallness of your vision? I'm serious. That's a good complaint. I complain to God about that all the time. God, why am I still so powerless? God, why am I still so immature? I complain like that. I'm not complaining against God. I'm pouring out my heart to God. Saying, God, I need you to transform me again. 
Father, I need you to mature me. Father, I don't want to waste this life that you've given me, this opportunity that you've given me. Because this is it, church, this one shot that we have. That's the fear of the Lord. Now, you know what the love and the grace and the mercy of God is? Even though we're weak, he shows himself strong. The, law, the willing heart, that's what he's looking for. He's not looking for perfect people. He's not looking for somebody who's overcome all their sin issues. Newsflash. If you think that's you, that just means you're proud and deceived. He's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for humble people. Humble people that would put their trust and their faith in him. Now I'm serious. you got to put your faith in him. So many times we're tempted to put our faith in everyone else. If only these people loved me better. If only my small group was better. If my Bible study teacher could lead better Bible studies. If only my pastor was perfect in every way. Newsflash, none of us are. How about you put your hope in God? How about you go, God, even though... I got a jacked up small group. I got a jacked up pastor. I got a jacked up self. All of my hope is in you. And Father, I'm believing that you can bring me through. That if everyone is against me, though an army besiege me of this, I will be confident. I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. My hope is in you. And this is what I'm calling for, church. Don't take a step back. Take a step forward. I'll tell you what he's doing. God is raising up houses of prayer. It is a wineskin to come alongside the church in these times to teach us how to value his presence more than the programs. To get real anointing rather than nice sermons. How about real heart burden? And that's the way that we can say, God, I'm going to have intimacy with you. It's going to be the number one thing. Hear me. God is raising up houses of prayer. Some of you are involved with houses of prayer on your campus. It's not a glorious thing. It's a simple thing of hearts going after the Lord. But I tell you right now prophetically that all of you have given yourself to campus houses of prayer. The Lord is watching and he's seeing. And your deposits of faith will come back to you with a hundredfold increase on them. I'm declaring it right now to you. Those of you who have labored in the house of prayer, who have toiled in weeping, you shall reap with shouts of joy. Because in the time of reaping, when it comes, there's going to be outpouring, and God is going to remember those who were toiling in the darkness, who were toiling when nobody was impressed, when our only desire was to impress Him. And God has written all of our deeds in His book. All of our works are recorded. Not the smallest act of faithfulness will go unrewarded. Church, now is the time. Let's not miss a prayer meeting. You don't have to come on Wednesday nights because you can go to praise and prayer. You don't have to go to praise and prayer because we have morning prayer here every single morning. You don't have to come to morning prayer because you have your own closet. What you can't say is that I, I had nowhere to pray. That excuse ain't going to fly. 
But I lovingly say this. Now is the time of, of sowing. It's difficult to sow in faith. But let's do it with perseverance. Let's not grow weary of doing good. We shall reap in due season if we do not lose heart. All of the prayers that we're praying for our nation, America, will be turned back to God. We are not... God is not done with America. Our latter glory will be greater than our former. God's sending revival, 80 million to be saved, 200,000 sent out to finish the Great Commission, to be an army to invade the Middle East. All of it will be done by those who will deny themselves in these times, say no to the temptations of luxury and riches, say no to all of it, and say, God, I would rather be a doorkeeper in your house than dwell in the tents of wickedness. One thing I ask to the Lord, and that also shall I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon his beauty. That's all I want. And this church is a fellowship of those who are running after those things together. Worship team, come on up. To call the consecration in this place. How many of you guys that contend got Jeremiah Johnson's book on consecration? How many of you guys have made a commitment to read the whole thing? This is my charge to you. Read it and then donate your copy to our library. It's a season of consecration, church. Ain't nobody said this is easy. Only say that it's worth it. Best thing I ever did was give God all of the things that I loved more than him. Best thing I ever did, and this is the season for you to make that decision. I want to say this right now. If you are determined in your life, I'm not saying that you feel like you can do it right now. I'm saying that you feel like you want it. There's something inside of you that says, God, I want that you would say, well done, good and faithful servant, on that day. I want that when the day of judgment would be here, I want to get an A. Can I tell you, I shared this last year. I asked the Lord that honestly, God, if the day of judgment was today, what grade would I get? I forget the exact grade. I have it written down. But I know it was either a C plus or a B minus. It was in that range. This is a hard test, brothers and sisters. We think that the day of judgment is going to be easy. No, 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 no. It's easy to get into heaven, in a sense, because Jesus paid the whole price. That's just a free gift by faith. But the rewards of the age to come, oh my goodness. These are the hard ones. This is why Paul says, I beat my body and I make it my slave, that after I have preached, I would not be disqualified. This is why he says, I beg you as a prisoner of the Lord to live a life worthy of the high calling that you have in Christ Jesus. This is why he prays, oh, that you would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you would know him and the eyes of your heart would be enlightened to know the hope of his calling. This is that which it's spoken of. If you're making that decision today, I want to invite you, first of all, everybody to stand up. I know we're going a little bit late. So what? Come on, we need a people. Hear me. 
We need leaders to arise in this house. This is my call as a pastor. We need leaders to arise in this house. We sent away like 20 of them. We need new ones to take the baton and to carry it farther than they could. Church, I'm talking to you. We don't need perfect people. We need people that have that heart that says, God, I'm weak, I'm broken, I'm immature, I'm foolish, but I'm willing, God. But I'm willing. If you would have your way in me, you can do anything, God. Here I am. Send me, God. Here I am. Consecrate my heart, God. Here I am. Shake everything that can be shaken in my life. I give you permission. If you're saying that today, I want to ask that you would come up because we want to lay hands on you and ask that God would baptize your heart with fire. We're going to come into agreement and say, God, even as they're showing a willingness, Father, now would you do it? Would you consecrate them? Would you mark them? Would you shake their lives so that they can be used for your glory? Even as Kevin worships, I want us right now to come before the Lord. You can come up during this prayer time if you want to for us to pray for you. Staff and leaders, if you would come around those who have come up, let's just start to contend for them right now. And if you don't want to come up, that's okay. If you've already come up for something like this, that's fine. Just start to pray that God would fill us with the Holy Spirit to have power to live lives that are fully after His Spirit. Amen. Let's go before God right now. Come on.